Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic Indie Creator interview. It's your Cape Crusader, Cody, and we are keeping it geekly with our new friend, KJ Murphy. We're here to break down Road to Valhalla and everything in between. Welcome to the stream. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you, Cody. Yeah, absolutely. We're here to break down this awesome Viking, like, horror, like, it's, it, dude, I loved it. I've seen some of these interiors, and um, it's, like, hitting all the right notes for me. But before we dive cool. into that, let's uh, start off with the basics of uh, who you are and how you got into creating indie comics. Yeah, so I've been around for a little bit, and, uh, you know, I grew up uh, primarily uh, with 70s horror mags and uh, 80s uh comic books marvel dc i started in all that but i always gravitated towards more of the independent stuff i uh went to my first comic i went to a comic book collector's club in like middle school and that's how it really started i met a, i met my best friend there and uh he was into kind of monsters and crazy stuff and i liked that stuff too so we were making <laughs> our own comic book together and then uh i went to a comic book store for the first time called magic horn it kind of sounds awfully weird and it was in this guy's basement <laughs> and it, it gets weirder <laughs> oh yeah no it smelled like laundry and old newsprint it was like heavenly you know it's really wonderful and uh you know he had a lot of great you know so i got introduced to mirage studios and teenage ninja, ninja turtles and a bunch of eclipse books so i got into all that stuff pretty early on and um so i was just going there religiously and buying comics and uh you know kind of keeping up with marvel and dc but not as much by the 90s you know they got into all that collectible different mm -hmm. covers and image came out and I, initially i was very involved with image the first year and collecting all those books and all that hype you know around certain creators and and then uh you know i went to my first uh comic book show before there was new york comic con there was these uh uh, well, there was Big Apple, but before Big Apple, there were these other uh, creator uh, creator shows, and um, I went to some of those back in the uh, like late '80s, early '90s, and uh, you know, I was like thinking, okay, well, I'll just finish this high school thing and become a comic book artist. It seemed so simple at the time. You know? <laughs> so it's just like you know, kind of tooting my own horn, thinking I was, you know, you know, I was going to learn as I go, and it wouldn't be a big deal. You know, I, I would just, you know, follow the path of all my heroes. You know. And so that's kind of how it started. And, um, so I went to art school. I should probably mention that after high school, I, I went to art school just to pacify my family. And, you know, they wanted to make sure I did something, which was smart in, in hindsight. And, and I ended up uh, graduating uh, from a four-year art school with a uh, big comic. So while I was in the art school, para college, um, I met Frank McLaughlin. And Frank McLaughlin kind of became my unofficial um mentor so he inked a lot of dc books uh he was around for the charleston days so he he was part of comic book history actually a really lovely guy that's like um, priceless experience holy crap oh, yeah, man no. so i had a couple classes with him i learned a lot from him he kind of inspired me like everyone in the room was goofing off not taking it seriously i was drawing my pages and yeah yeah he would stop everyone and say that guy's gonna he pointed at me and said that guy's gonna make it because he's the one taking it serious and i was like oh, i'm gonna make it he said you know i'm like <laughs> <laughs> but what is it you know what does that really mean to make it right you know sort of uh you know what does it mean to be successful you know um, so it's sort of kind of whatever you make it out to be and so at the time my dream was just to make my own comic or get into the comic book industry and uh so i graduated i had a portfolio and i started sending it out to everybody marvel dc anybody that would so i probably sent about 60 uh submissions out and i got a lot of rejection letters i did you know i think marvel hit me back with you know fix this this and this and then after you've done these things submit to us again and you know that with a, 
hundreds of, you know, like see my thousands of other no's kind of just kind of made me think, well, I'm just not ready or whatever. Yeah. So start How did that feel though? Coming like fresh out of, uh, you know, fr- fresh out of school like that and, 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 and hitting that, that had to have been kind of a bummer. Oh, it was a bummer, you know, because I, I not only, um, took the time to learn all about art history mm-hmm. you know, and, <laughs> and learn all about, uh, well, you know, how to paint like really well, like tight painting. I came from the school of photorealistic painting, you know, hyperreal. One of my teachers was a guy who does paintings now for Time Magazine, uh, Tim O'Brien. So I learned how to paint from him primarily. And uh, so I could paint, I can use watercolors. I was pretty, pro- I am pretty proficient in all these other things. But, you know, my passion was comic book making. I just wanted to tell stories, really. I had all these ideas. And I had a couple that stuck with me. And I, I pitched them. I'd go to these shows every year and show them, you know, the pages to people. And they were like, a nice kid, but you need to work on this. Or, yeah, I don't think this is for us. You know, so it was just constantly. Uh, and, I, you know, you're talking about now mid-90s to late-90s, which isn't a good time to get in the comic book industry because it's falling apart, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, your comic book stores are closing everywhere <laughs> you know what i mean diamonds suddenly the only place to you know get comics and so uh it just wasn't the best time probably so uh fast forward to the 2000s uh i think late 90s i was like i gotta get involved in something i gotta do something there's got to be a place for up-and-coming artists and writers that get together and help each other you know mm-hmm. get a name out you know and i couldn't find anything at the time so i was like you know, i'm just gonna build something myself what i love why it. not so I coined the phrase uh, comic book artist guild, uh, CAG, I called it. And uh, <laughs> I, had, I had my first meeting with a, a couple friends and a couple other kids at a, at a massage parlor. <laughs> Goes from underground basement, yeah. uh, comic yeah. books to massage parlors. So people were getting like hardcore Swedish massage in the back and we were all sitting in a room together. and just, Geeking uh, out, you know, I love it. About <laughs> comics and what we wanted to do. And I did that um, for years. You know, I, I was in charge of it. And at first it was a lot of fun and we made an, an anthology every year and I started that way. And then it got more intense by the fifth year uh you know we're t- we're topping close to 300 members uh different states connecticut massachusetts rhode island uh new york and then i think out west we had a couple of folks in nebraska and then even overseas we had people and so it was really becoming this thing we had a west coast contingent that kind of um, unfortunately it became kind of this rule of 300 where there's just too many people and i created mm-hmm. a created a leadership structure where there was about 10 of us that would meet every week on on, on skype primarily and talk about what issues the group was having or how we make, you know, planning and all that. And it worked for a while, but, um, but around my 10th year, I just got burned out on it and I really wanted someone else to take over. And there was a few people that were kind of groomed to take it over. And, uh, you know, I stepped out and unfortunately when I stepped out, a lot of people were just attached to me. They were used to me. And, um, the, the whole thing kind of started falling apart. For different oh, reasons. that there sucks. Was, it was, it was more than just me, but you know, I, I kind of needed to focus on my own thing and let other people step up and some people did step up and and it did keep going for a while and then eventually it fizzled out to a point where people were just going to new york comic-con to share a table that's all all it became and and then you know even after that it was you know not worth it at some point you know we weren't Mm -hmm. making books anymore and um and i just went full throttle by 2000 uh i want to say 2009 uh doing guildworks publications which is me and my partner hector rodriguez uh, making his book, Hell's Blood. So that was the first book I really 
a series that I actually tackled with uh, with Hector. And at the time, he didn't feel like he was a very proficient storyteller. He he's a very detail oriented guy, and I'm more of a, a page composition kind of guy. So together, it was like this one two combo. And it, the you know we we worked on the first book together, and he gave, he became really confident in his skills after that. So by the Third, it's a game fourth. changer when you get that first book done, huh? Oh yeah, no, it's a shot in the arm. You know, we have this book. We're proud of it. Going to shows <laughs> with it. You know, it, it's a, in an issue one, and it had a nice cover. And um, you know, then it went to issue two, three, four, five, um, and then we had a trade, and then uh, we just didn't get around to book six, and that's a whole other thing. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, Hector's actually back on it now, working on it now, all these years later, which is great. But um, that's what started the whole thing. I finally did my own book. Um, I, I should also mention, I know I don't just do comics. I uh, went to school for art therapy. I went back to school after art school years later, deciding to uh, get a master's in art therapy and uh, with a plan of becoming a counselor, you know, a licensed counselor. So can you give us a little bit about that? Because uh, I, I keep yeah. hearing about art therapy without sure. having, I guess, a, a more deeper understanding of it. Yeah. So, I mean, art therapy is one of those modalities that if you can't do traditional talk therapy, like with a kid, let's say a kid that doesn't mm -hmm. want to talk about their feelings, um, you create a safe place for them to come in and they're comfortable drawing pictures. A picture is worth a thousand words. So if they were in an abuse situation where, you know, something scary happened, I'd ask them to draw the scary thing. If they don't have to talk about it, just draw it. And they would draw a building on fire and then, you know, maybe people outside. It could be rudimentary stick figures. It doesn't have to be about the aesthetics of art. It's not like I'm correcting the kid saying, no, that's not how you draw a house, kid. You know, that's not how you draw people. <laughs> you're you know, you're I, traumatized. Get yeah, better yeah. with this drawing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's more about getting expression out. So mm -hmm. that's the whole uh, concept behind art therapy. So art therapy was developed like in the 50s in the state hospitals. At the time, uh, these women were coming in and helping patients create things. And it was initially very unstructured um, and then they started creating directives. So there's directive and non-directive approach. Directive approaches, uh, draw your family, draw your house, uh, draw a person, draw a tree. Uh, and then you are trained to interpret these drawings. Okay, well, the house uh, has a sideways chimney and there's smoke in the chimney. So that means there's some kind of trauma, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, th there's a hole in the tree. So that means there's something, you know, there's something. Uh, that why, that goes like on such a deep yeah, level. Um, I would have never very guessed. Sim it's very symbolic. Yeah. You get trained to kind of look for indicators like an owl in the tree or, you know, uh, this person's drawn without hands. That means they're helpless. You know, so there's a lot of that kind of symbolism. And uh, you get trained to do all that. Look at that art that way. And, um, you know, it, it's it's pretty valuable. So I basically do you ever look started... at like other people's art and kind of like look for that stuff in it? <laughs> funny, or does it not work like that? I don't do it with like people's like comic book projects as much. It's more like <laughs> these art therapists have an, an association, Art Therapy Association of America, and they have these mm -hmm. conferences. So I went to a few, and at the conferences, of course, because there's a lot of artists there, they're all making pictures together, right? And then you hang it up, and then so like I made a picture, and I hung it up next to all these other pictures. I'm like, oh shit. It, oh, excuse me. I don't know if I can. No, you're it. good. You can. Yes. Uh, I'm like, I can't, you know, I, I just put my art up next to all these. How many people are going to analyze my drawing and you know, find something <laughs> wrong with me? Or I'm looking at there. It's kind of like, well, those are kind of screwed up, too. You know, <laughs> so, you know, I think there's sort of this misconception around mental health and therapy in general that, you know, if you're going to therapy or a weak person or that. Yeah. Something yeah. Wrong with you. Instead of looking at it as an additional resource where that it's actually to your benefit to check in with somebody and make sure you're OK. 
Well, because uh, you can have a tool that I don't know about, and then you can teach me that tool, and then I'm able to work through my stuff easier, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Like, you, you can provide that bridge that I need. I just, I was curious because, like, like to me, it almost would be, like, since it's so ingrained within, like, your head, like, when you're, like, just looking at comics, you're like, oh, crap, this person's <laughs> going through this, like. <laughs> well, if it's a theme, yeah, you know, if you see the theme and you kind of go, wow, this person has mom or dad issues, or this person, you know, is really, <laughs> really a downer, or they're morbid, you know, it's. You know, like an emo kind of thing. You know? <laughs> Everyone has their projects. I guess the music is the same way, you know. Kind of. So how did we end up leading to your own project, though, Rotu of Ahala? How did the, we start I, uh, seeing those steps begin? So what happened was I did, um, God, it had to be almost 10 years ago. I decided it was time to double down and invest in myself. And I had this story to tell about it. Um, a kid in present day that finds this, she's in trouble with a Russian mob and she stumbles across this creature who saves her and it turns out to be a wendigo and it turns out that this guy did something really horribly bad in the past he wronged these indians he's like from king philip's era so you're talking um 1600s mm -hmm. um, and he sleep he becomes this creature this wendigo which is a native american folklore about a a, a person that turns into a monster and is cursed you know it's sort of like a werewolf vampire kind of amalgam and uh, wakes up in present day and has to, you know, take on, has to help this girl. And it's not about ending the curve. It's kind of a redemption story. It's a one shot. Did it in a, a painterly style, full color, labor of love. Took me forever to do. 60 pages, finished it, printed it. Okay, now I've, I'm done my book, right? And I thought that was the end of that book. And then um, years later, like four or five years later, uh, John, who's a good friend of mine, John Escabales, who's a writer, was like, yeah, we should do something else with that. I was like, yeah. And he was really into Vikings and stuff. I was like, well, how about a Viking story with Wendigos? And he was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And then we could throw in some UFOs and the Bigfoot and all these other things. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you know, I did one of those, you know, can you can tell when I'm not keen on something, right? Because I've known this guy. He just took that wheel and just went full turn with it. <laughs> no, you know what? So like years ago, we started, I started laying out these pages and it included the, the aliens and spaceships and the Bigfoot thing idea and then the Indians and the Vikings. And it was just too much stuff. And I was drawing, I did about eight or nine layouts. And I said, you know what, dude, this is just too much. My head, I can't do this right now, you know? And I, and I said, let's like revisit this later. And mm -hmm. it, it, it must have just stayed with him because I kind of moved on. And did, we did other things. I mean, we did anthology books and we did short stories. And But we came back to it um, a couple of years, be well, a year before COVID. And they're like, yeah, how about we just do it, a Viking story with just the Wendigo? And he was like, yeah, great idea. I'm like, good. Okay, <laughs> let's lose the rest of it. Let's lose all the other... <laughs> You know, and then as soon as like he agreed, he's like, yeah, that makes sense. Good idea. So then uh, so suddenly he's fleshing. We, we go back and forth with ideas. And uh, this is just before COVID happens now. Um, it's had to be January or February. I get really sick, actually. And uh, and I probably had COVID and didn't even know it before. They told us all to stay home. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and John's just a sweet guy. You know, he's he's got a, he's an amazing person. You should probably interview him. He's got all kinds of stories. But um. John was like, you know what, man? And I said, dude, I'm not feeling well. They're telling everyone to stay home. I, you know, he was like, you know what, dude, just stay home, work on this Viking thing, start fleshing out all the Vikings, draw the, start drawing what these people look like. And I said, yeah, man, that's it. So I had this time. So I started really putting a lot of effort into concept art, uh, refining the thing with him. Mm -hmm. We had a story. 
And then I was like, all right, I'm going to start laying out these pages. And it, they all felt right. Every page I drew, these little thumbnails based on, you know, he does thumbnails too. And it, they all look good. Do you do and it uh, like, traditional or digital? Uh, traditional, yeah. So that's pretty much what I did. I just started sketching it out on tone paper and kind of indicating where the light would be, almost putting too much time into a little thumbnail. Like <laughs> thumbnail you know, almost like small mini page. And uh, mm -hmm. having fun with it and feeling like we started off on the right, how the story begins and... Um, and so then I uh, was like, dude, we should, uh, look, you know, because we have the time, we should look into crowdfunding this because I really don't want to keep spending my own money on all these things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it just not economically feasible. And so I, uh, I get involved with um, uh, Tyler James Comics Tribe Group and um, I learn all about comic. I learn about Kickstarter specific. So now I'm drawing the pages for Road to Valhalla 1 and I'm learning about Kickstarter at the same time. <laughs> and during... Kickstarter is like its own beast, too. Oh. My God, you know, so I had all these, all these months of uh, learning about it, um, preparing myself for a launch. And, and then at the same time working on these pages, uh, I wanted the pages drawn and finished before I even mentioned that we were uh, crowdfunding this thing. And uh, finished the pages and John and I felt good about the story. So uh, had the pages colored and launched the thing um, like that fall, like November 2020, mm -hmm. 2020. November 2020 or yeah, I think that's when I did it. And uh, that was sort of how we started, you know, with this book one, um, uh, talking about this small group of Vikings that kind of um, are on a task to find out what happened to this Viking settlement. And that's how the story begins. They, they get to this Viking settlement and it's abandoned. And the leader of the Viking group is the brother of uh, the other uh, brother. There's two brothers and mm -hmm. one is sort of the, um, chieftain's favored son he's next in line to become the next ruler of this clan and uh, we don't talk about specifics because it's a viking slasher <laughs> you know book it's not about getting into all this history and all this stuff we weren't looking for historical accuracy 100 percent wanted to look and feel like it was at this time and so these uh, vikings get there and uh they find this settlement abandoned and the, the indians uh the local indigenous people are there and explain that uh, these Wendigos thing, Wendigo things came in and, and killed a lot of them mm -hmm. and uh, didn't tell them what else happened to the rest of them. But essentially through the story, you find out in book two, well, at the end of book one, into book two, that some of the Vikings that were there first became these Wendigo. Oh, God. Yeah. Is there any difference between like the, the Wendigos from the indigenous people uh, compared to the Vikings or are they kind of just like similar? So what my thinking was, uh, was that like a, almost a zombie or a vampire or a werewolf that you retain, retain some of your humanity, mostly your animalistic, but mm -hmm. there's sort of pieces of your personality that stay. So like if you were a real snake in the grass, backstabber kind of person, you're going to do that as the creature, you know, yeah. you know, but if you maintain some of your humanity, the, the good qualities like, um, you know, being a, a good person or a leader that, that, that will come through and, you know, you'll have some resistance to it. So the, the main character is Eric. It's his journey. Road to Valhalla is about him, his path towards getting to Valhalla. Valhalla is a special place where only the chosen in battle go. Um, it, it's uh, knee deep, neck deep in Viking myth mythology. Mm -hmm. so basically, that's where you would sit at the, the, you know, drink from the best wine with odin and uh, yeah all these other people and all these great warriors so that's what eric wants but he's cursed because he's sort of 
he was he's become this wendigo and he's not fully turned he's some kind of half turn he's maintained some of his humanity uh and his brother bran is the one who's looking for him mm -hmm. bran is sent over to find eric and what happened to eric that is such an interesting uh conflict for him to be in like you know oh, like yeah. he's cursed and he he wants to go to valhalla and you know it's kind of impeding his journey that? yeah so um you know without giving the whole thing away uh eric is uh put to the task at, at, for, in the third book and um, mm -hmm. and there's a final confrontation and you find out what happens to eric brand and all the other uh people in the group and a lot of them don't make it unfortunately I'll, I'll <laughs> hey that's a, good for a, a horror yeah. slasher though that's, well, that that's was, the, yeah that was the intention i said john i don't care you know i don't want to get attached to these characters they all have to die right oh yeah they're all going to die but you know somebody has to live to tell the story you know it's a mm -hmm. deal <laughs> so yeah. So who is uh, the creative team involved in the, on this? Um, if you want, right. and like I said, when we go through the Kickstarter, we can kind of deep dive it a little bit more. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, so the primary people involved in Guildworks is my good friend, uh, one of my best friends, Hector Rodriguez. He's the uh, art director. So he's been doing the covers for us exclusively. So he does all the primary covers. I've been doing the alternative covers. And then uh, John Escobalas is the, the writing. Uh, he's the main writer. And he's the kind of editor of everything. Um, so, you know, John does a lot of the storytelling and Hector does a lot of the visuals. And uh, um, and then I'm the uh, the page turning illustrator in this story. And I, I uh, contribute to the uh, character development and, and the story. You know, it's not like he just does a story and I don't have a say. I mm -hmm. tell him what I like or don't like and what I, you know, and, it, you know, with dialogue, if, you know, something doesn't look right, I'll say, you know, maybe we should add this or get rid of that. And, uh, so uh, that's uh, how it, how that it's been going. And then uh, Mindy Lopkin, who's been around, I met her in the CAG days as well. Uh, she's uh, the letterer uh, and she does all the pre-press for us for the book. And that's so really awesome. Like how everyone from your group uh, is involved in on this. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. It was almost like it had to happen that way. Yeah. I needed a lot core group of people I trust that I've worked with and that I was friends with before I started doing all this stuff. And I got really were they all well. like higher up in the group as well? I know you said you had like leaders that met like on a, a weekly basis. Were any of them like mm -hmm. any part of the leadership? Hector, Hector kind of did a lot of the leadership with me That's really after cool. I stepped down. And then uh, I was working with Chris Buckner, who was also one of the, the CAG leaders for a while. He's a really great writer, too. Uh, John was never really in the group, but he would go to some meetings. He would be at some shows. He would go out to dinner with us and get the free John, pizza. I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. John would show up. You know, John would show up and kind of get more involved. Um, you know, actually, John is a pretty interesting guy. He's a martial artist, uh, Krav Maga teacher, and so I was actually not doing comics with him. I would just come to his house and train with him. So we were training together and then we would spend more time talking about comics. And, you know, <laughs> and I would learn all these great things about comics from him because he's very read and very well versed in comic book creators. And um, so John is kind of a wealth of knowledge and John has a million ideas. It's just a matter of picking one and sticking with it. You mm -hmm. know, he kind of has comic book ADHD a little bit, you know, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And, um, no, absolutely. Then we have uh, Sean Lee, who I'm very fortunate to have as the colorist. He's from, uh, from Asia, I believe. And he's, um, really just his coloring, uh, choices and textures really match really well with my art style and i'm more of a pictorial loose kind of artist i'm not a very tight detail oriented artist and, mm -hmm. uh, but thankfully sean uh was able to work with my art you know and, <laughs> and add to it you know you always want somebody to kind of take it to the next level and make it look mm -hmm. better than it you know 
So thankfully uh, with Sean, we had another colorist, Leonardo, but he had to leave after the first issue. So there was a little bit of a transition from book one to book two. That was probably the biggest snafu for us was finding another colorist. But we, I, we got very lucky with Sean Lee coming on board and staying for book two and book three. And actually, as far as I'm concerned, anything we do in the future, if Sean wants to crack at it, you know, although our next book is probably not going to be color, um, it might be black and white, but um, I'm sure we'll find use for Sean. No, absolutely. Yeah, so I, speaking of book three, let's go ahead and check out the Kickstarter for it. And yeah. so everyone watching right here is a link to check this out with us. If you're unable to back, simply sharing this on Facebook or Twitter uh, is, is 100% free. Word of mouth is 100% free, and it's one of the greatest tools you can have. Share it with your friends, your family. You're going to have someone who is going to love this. We are looking at Road to Valhalla, issue number three, Supernatural Viking Horror Epic, a 32-page tale of Vikings facing off against Wendigo. This is the final battle for the Road to Valhalla, complete series issue one through uh, one, two, and three. Currently at two thousand four hundred thirty-six of a two thousand five hundred goal. So you're like right there. You're like right on the finish line, man. It's a nail biter. It's a real yeah, nail biter. Yeah, twelve days to go though. Twelve <laughs> days to go. So I mean, that's like we what? Like lucky. we should be lucky. Yeah, yeah sixty. Yeah, sixty-four bucks around uh, to get. I think. Yeah. yeah. So guys, we can make this happen today. Uh, 65 backers with uh, 12 days to go. Let's go ahead and check out this video real quick. Some ch uh, some meaty riffs right there. Some meaty chugging. I love oh, yeah. it, man. Yeah, yeah. Are you a are you a musician? Uh, I used to I used to a long time ago, but yeah. now I got three kids, so more of a right. musician of children. <laughs> gotcha. oh, no. So that's that's tough. We are, we are looking. <laughs> it, 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 it can be a handful. It can be a handful. But thankfully, they all like playing video games. So that's like oh. half the battle for me. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> we are currently looking at Road to Valhalla. Uh, it's the beginning of the end of the Viking Age. So welcome to Valhalla. Over the past two years, we have successfully funded issues one, two, one and two of a Road to Valhalla. And now we are back on the Kickstarter to fund issue three, which will finish the story arc of the series. So this is a Viking horror comic about a reluctant Viking prince, Bronn, who is tasked by his father, the chieftain, to find what has happened to his older brother, Eric, who leads a settlement in the Outlands. And things are about to get grim. Holy crap. I love this cover, too. Is this uh, is this his brother or? No, that's just a random one to go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this, I love this design, though. This is pretty gruesome looking, man. Give us a little bit about some of the inspiration that went behind this. Um, You know, I can't take any credit for it it's all in hector's mind hector rodriguez just draws some really badass very violent and uh scary uh stuff and uh he, he's uh online as hero h-e-r-o but uh you know his stuff uh stops people like whenever we go to shows like you know he'll have this tower of all his art and he does a lot of uh he does a lot of those uh combining different elements of characters you know kind mm -hmm. of like uh uh, smash up whatever you call it and um but he's been doing it for years and he just you know he, he does really beautiful details and uh, he really gets into it and uh, a lot of people just want to like check out his stuff so yeah, yeah it's brutal that's all, that's all hector yeah so right here are some of the rewards as well so mm -hmm. for eight bucks you can get the standard print i uh, take the t test drive with just issue one so this will be for issue one for uh 15 yeah. you can get issue one two and three digital so this will be the full package so only doing uh, three issues with this. Uh, are you uh, going to be doing like any sort of like uh, trade paperback with it? So there is talk with jo John and I. To, so there's deluxe issues where we have a bunch of prose stories, like you know, stories that happen out with these characters outside of this universe. And um, and there's a lot of concept art. And we're, we're talking about maybe collecting them into a trade at some point next year. Okay. 
And then, uh, so we can get issue three physical at 24. And this, this will also include digital copies of all three issues. So that's awesome. You include the catch-up, uh, the digital catch-up with uh, the physical yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. And then you can get all three digital deluxe books. So this is going to include extra concept art and prose for diehard fans. And also include digital copies of Battle at Granny's House and a Feeling Field Guide. So give us a little bit about those two. Uh, so, yeah, it's sort of funny because a few years before COVID happened, John and I were talking about doing some other books other than just this dark kind of scary stuff. <laughs> so we, we don't have a lot of children's books. Uh, and so um, that was where that kind of was born. So we did the Battle at Granny's first, which is still kind of scary, kind of uh, getting over your fears, having sort of uh, rules and, and that kind of thing. You actually download it for free on our GWP Comics website. Uh, if you join a, our subscriber list, you get a free download. You can watch, you can actually read that book for free. Um, but that's how Battle of Grannies happened. It's a one-shot book. And then um, out of that came Feelings Field Guide. So I thought, I thought it would be cool to have a book for people in the mental health field to have in their office for kids that have a hard time identifying feelings and using these monsters. So think Dungeons and Dragons, old school monster manual meets... Uh, therapy therapy uh, guidebook you know, thing, that's so cool you know? is that some of your art therapy coming out to play oh absolutely yeah that's no, awesome I, I had fun making these creatures and i had a few guys do it with me it wasn't just my art it was uh burn negron and uh brian brindley a couple of friends of mine came in and helped me draw some of the creatures and uh i'd like to do another book for each uh, of them at some point but uh we've been so busy with the road to Valhalla, i've had no time to mm -hmm. revisit revisit that stuff so we can get standard print books of issue one, two, and three. Get all three standard prints of the Road Valhalla uh, for thirty-six bucks. That is so awesome. You also get a uh, RTV hologram sticker and trading card, plus all three digital deluxe copies and more. So, man, this is awesome. And I also see uh, something uh, torn. So is this another? That's, uh, that you know, that's just a placeholder for the trading card. I don't think the trading mm. card is going to be, but that is the cover to the, uh, the the original torn book. I, I got gotcha. that was the original Wendigo book, the prequel book. Well, no, yeah, that thing looks brutal yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So we have the standard and the KG Murphy variants at 55. So uh, this, uh, are these your variants right here? So yeah, there are two covers that when you put them together, it creates the one image. And are these uh, the brothers? No, it's the, the Indian tribe on one side, and then it's it's Eric on the mm, other side. Okay. So it's sort of when you, and in the background, you see these kind of uh, Native American and Wendigo, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Viking Wendigos in the background. I really like how when you put them together, it makes one image. So that is, I always love that uh, with comic books or anything, any sort yeah. of uh, media you could put together. It's gimmicky. I, I'm hoping that when they print and they're together, it looks nice and seamless. But I, I'm, I'm kind of anticipating that the binding <laughs> on the on the Indian side might not look as, you know, cool. But mm -hmm. we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, it comes out alright. I've never done one of those before. So. And then we have a blank sketch cover commission at eighty dollars. So get one of a kind drawing from either Hector or uh, KG Murphy, your choice. And the drawing will be on a blank cover of uh, issue one. Mm -hmm. So here's an example as well. This is, man, this is awesome. Thank you. Is this uh, one you did or the one Hector? I did that one. Yeah, that was a, a Viking raid at a monastery. <laughs> so, <laughs> got, so it's sort of before Eric became a Viking. He's with his mm -hmm. buddies. And you can see that they are burning a, a monastery to the ground. There's a couple monks on their knees. Kind of thing. 
<laughs> you also have original art commission at $100, so get a commission art piece by Hector Rodriguez or KJ Murphy, your choice. I love this little uh, SpongeBob as Majin Buu and then... Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, Patrick as uh, Majin Buu and then SpongeBob Super Saiyan. Like, <laughs> mm, Yeah, that's all. it's all Hector. Yeah, he has these really uh, great ideas and then he executes them and then he colors them and then he makes prints and he does really well with just that, actually. We have a master of the GWP print collection, 120. Get it all. You get everything we've printed in the last five years. And there is a whole lot of this. Uh, give us a little bit about Torn, though. So this was the, the book before Road to Valhalla? That was sort of the, the original book. And actually, it took place more in modern times. The, the, the Road to Valhalla is technically the prequel book because it happens mm. hundreds of years before the Torn book. But uh, yeah, it's a one-shot book. It's about 60 pages about the, this girl who's uh, in trouble with the... Uh, she's uh, unfortunately connected to this Russian mafia. And then this uh, creature is awoken and you find out about how he became the creature. So there's a lot of flashbacks to Native American... Uh, times um he was friends with native americans and then he does them wrong and he becomes this creature <laughs> it just goes he, to show you you need to need to make sure you treat your friends good right you never oh, know absolutely. treat your neighbors right because you never know you might get cursed you know so <laughs> at 190 you can get a part in the new books your likeness will be featured in a new horror book coming in fall 2022 so uh, is this mm -hmm. something that you've been announced yet or I have, uh, amongst our subscribers, I can say it officially here too, uh, we have a book called Yokai that's coming out, uh, issue zero next year, and it involves uh, Japanese folklore monsters meeting our monsters. So That's going to be talking, so awesome, dude. You're talking the, wo the Wolfman, you're talking the uh, Frankenstein's monster, and you're talking about Dracula, all in uh, Japan during the end of the samurai era. <laughs> So That's they're all there. So much fun, dude. They're all there, and the yokai are there. And yokai, if you don't know what that is, is a basically a Japanese monster. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of their own type of monsters over there. So we're going to introduce that kind of uh, concept and see how that goes. So for three hundred, you can own the original cover art. Uh, so this is uh, mm -hmm. a one of a kind um, yep. art by artist uh, Hector Rodriguez. Uh, really, this is this is gorgeous. Really surprised we haven't sold it already. We've sold the first two covers, but this time uh, we've got a few holdouts. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> you know, every campaign's different, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it's expensive, so some people can't swing it right now. So, uh, uh, but it is still available. Yeah. And then at three fifty, you can uh, three alternate cover art by uh, KJ Murphy. So own the Road to Valhalla three uh, alternative cover. Yep, I've got that available too. And then right here, is some of the the pictures of some of the covers as well. Yeah. This is gorgeous. I love like the little uh, window goes hiding in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. And then let's scroll down too. We'll check out some of the uh, interiors as well. Oh, okay. hold on, some add-ons too. We have a small number of add-ons during the campaign. So uh, give us a little bit about these. Uh, got some holographic, holographic covers. Yep, got some holographic covers. All three issues have holographic covers, kind of shiny. There's a print there, uh, which Hector did, and then, and then uh, here's we got a close-up torn. Of torn. Yeah, that that's awesome, dude. I love that. That was Eddie Newall cover, actually. I didn't do that cover. That was Eddie Newall. He did that for me, which is really great. And some then we stickers have some as well. My stickers. They're very popular. <laughs> I love these. These are so awesome. The little, uh, what is that, Godzilla? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I did a lot of chibi things. You know, oh, my God. Cute, and Stitch as a, like a, as a yeah. Sith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need to get my hands on this Boba Fett one. This is too All good. Right. Well, I'll send one your way, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then a limited edition Mario T as well. Yeah, that's is Hector. Awesome. That's yeah, actually Hector. Awesome. That's Hector wearing his shirt. So that is um, 
the mastermind behind the, uh, the uh, art. And uh, we only have four of those left. I've already sold one. So left. let's check out some of these interiors as well for uh, issue number three. Yep. So that's Bran in the foreground holding the torch. And that is not Eric. That's Gunn in the bottom who got gutted in the last issue. And then there's uh, one of the Indians in the background there. Ma Masa is his name. So they're trying to lure the uh, Wendigos into an open area because if you can see behind Bran up uh, on high, there's all these archers, Indian mm -hmm. archers, ready to uh, basically try to end this conflict. That's what they're hoping to do. The problem is there's still two Wendigos left. They so are two. they are they able to be killed by like swords and arrows or like um, you know arrows? Not so much, but if you got them the right way, if you cut off their head, if you you know, uh, it's not like a werewolf or vampire thing where they can't be. You know, uh, they they can be killed. It's just really hard to kill them one on one. You know, you mm. really you want a team to go in there. You know, <laughs> you want to have a plan. You don't want to just kind of go into the cave without a plan. You know? I love how brutal and graphic it is too. Mm. Yeah, that was the thing. We weren't really holding back on the you know, the content in terms of the, the bloodletting and all that stuff. Um, I kind of took it e easy on the covers, but the interior pages, you really, you know, <laughs> if you don't know what you're getting into, then you really shouldn't pick up the book, you know. But, you know, occasionally you get somebody who asks, you know, would this be good for my, my young child? And I'll be like, not really. Uh, no, you want maybe... them to have nightmares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. So, you know, I'm, you know, looking at uh, making comics for, you know, people are 18 and up right now, but we do so do is, some things. Is this uh, the brother right here though? Half a uh, human that half is, indigo? That is Eric. Yes. So Eric returns in book three and he is basically looking to help his brother Bran and uh, try to end this whole thing together and teaming it. Yeah, this is brutal. I love it too. You you guys offer such an like, I mean, you offer such a large amount of materials. Like you would know if you're gonna like it or not just based off of just scrolling through this. It's you know? really great because like we, last year we went to a bunch of conventions and we had the the first book and everybody just they saw the Viking banner, they saw the monsters, and they I didn't have to do a hard sell or anything. They just either liked it immediately or like not for me. Mm -hmm. So you know, most people would just gravitate towards it like a moth to a flame and say yes, I want this, or they would go no i it's too you know not my thing or whatever but uh, yeah a lot of people seem to like it so let's uh finish up by going through the creative team once again we have the yeah. man of the hour kg murphy artist <laughs> and creator mm -hmm. um underneath you we have uh the writer so give us a, yeah. a little bit more about him uh john's a uh one of my best friends uh and i've known him since uh the uh, early 2000s he's a fantastic writer uh martial artist and uh He's got a lot. You're going to hear his name again. He's uh, really uh, an artist's dream to work with. He really is great. He's a very visual guy. Um, he lives only 30 minutes from me, so we get together in real time. And we, oh, that's he has awesome. a writer. We sit in his writer's room usually. He can't come to my place because he's allergic to my dogs. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but sometimes we just go out and we throw axes together. Him, me, and Hector will we'll not even talk about comics, really. We'll just get together and eat pizza or go out to a movie or do something else other than mm -hmm. comics. So yeah, John's a great guy. And then we have uh, Sean Lee. Sean Lee, I was introduced to from, through Hector. So he's one of Hector's main. Uh, Hector really loves you know, Sean's colors. And so he almost uses Sean exclusively now. So that's how I met Sean. And Sean did a piece for me. And he, he did an amazing job on one of my pieces. So then I, I just naturally asked Sean if he was interested in doing book two. And he said yes. And that, you know, Sean, uh, he, he teaches 
is at an art school where he's from as well. So he's really proficient in digital coloring. He's a good artist, really good artist. That's awesome. Really good, really good with lights and colors and textures. Really. And Mindy is uh, someone I knew from the CAG days, and uh, you know she wanted to get something going too. Her and her husband Eric, uh, they're really great people, and uh, I've known them a long time. And uh, uh, Mindy has worked for uh, a lot of uh, comic book companies now, and she's always working on the She series with Billy Tucci, and so she's busy. She's but she makes time for me because <laughs> you know we got history. So you know, she'll just uh, you know if I need something quick, she'll she'll make the time for me. Which is right oh, here. right here, she also works extensively at Horizon Line and Advent Comics. I know Advent Comics, so that's that's cool. small world. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> when you're an independent, you have to kind of look at a small pond. Yeah, <laughs> and we have uh, Hector as well. So this is the cover artist. Yeah, Hector really, I think when he draws something, it just, it's very inspiring. And uh, thankfully, you know, I, I don't know what made me think of this. I, you know, I, I, way to include Hector in a way, because Hector has got his own thing going on. He doesn't really need to do comics as much, but he still does. Hell's Blood, which is a great series, supernatural series, thriller. But um, yeah, I was really thankful. You know, I don't know why. I, I was like, can you do one of the covers? Because I was thinking I was going to do a cover. And he did an amazing cover. And I was like, well, this is perfect. I don't need another cover. You know? <laughs> and then, of course, after that was over, he was like, well, what are we doing for the next cover? And he said, he's all in for the next cover. And I was mm -hmm. like, cool. So he did the next cover. And then uh, and then I thought, all right, I got two covers from him. That's the end of it, right? But then before even the third book was getting produced, he... Um, he, he sent me like five or six images saying, all right, you know, pick one or, you know, like, and they were all finished, you know, and I was like, well, crap, I can raffle these off. I can. Yeah, sell I can only know. pick one. Like, come on. <laughs> so I ended up picking the one that you see for the for book three is the, mm -hmm. the actual image. I just like that one the best. But, uh, yeah, I've been very lucky to have some really talented people in my life. And uh, it was by design. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I just said, look, I want to get something going. I want to do something with other people. And uh, who was in? And at the time, I had like all these people come forward and say, yeah, I want to do something. And Hector was one of those guys. No, absolutely. Was, For everyone watching right here is the link to check this out once again. Such an awesome book. If you can't back, just simply sharing it on Twitter, Facebook. Word about this 100% free. We have CM Holy over on Twitch. Glad I didn't miss the best indie comic show on the web. You're, you're too much, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> so, KJ, after going through um, that Kickstarter and kind of looking at all the rewards and the add-ons, what would you like to say to anyone who might be on the fence about backing? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, how do you get people that are sitting on the sidelines in? And, you know, all I could say is, honestly, we're not going anywhere. So even if you don't back this one, I'm going to have another book in the future and hopefully, you, you know, if you see this and then you kind of go, oh, I'm going to remember these guys and you see something else. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in planting a, you know, a seed in the ground and watering it. And, you know, we're very approachable. We're very engageable. You know, you can see us at shows, come on over, say you saw us online. You don't have to buy anything. You can just hang out. And, uh, you know, Hector and I are good like that, you know, and, uh, but, you know, on this project specifically, this is the only time I'm fundraising all three books together. This is going to be the last time um, we're doing these individual issues. I'm not printing a lot. I'm printing enough for the shows and then we're probably going to do a trade. And so if you really are into collecting original uh, print runs, then this is your t the time to, to get on this. And, uh, um, and Or, you know, any of the other wonderful rewards. Christmas is around the corner. If you're mm -hmm. into Christmas and you want to buy an original piece of art, Hector and I can bang it out well before Christmas for as a gift. You know, we do portraits. We, we can do something for you, for your book. If you have a book you want concept art done for, Hector or myself are more than happy to help. You know? That is awesome. That is, man. Yeah. And you are so close. Literally like 64 bucks away from completely funding 
It's so silly. Gold. Really, yeah. you know, I've, <laughs> it, like three or four days now, I've looked at it, kind of going, "Why are we still hovering under goal?" You know, like I, as soon as we meet our stretch goal, everyone's getting a all the physical factors are getting a a coffee coaster, like a you know a little insignia coaster, and then uh, we've already unlocked the art book. So I'm I'm doing a drawing in a day, and all those drawings are going to get compiled into an, a digital art book that everyone's getting for as a thank you for backing this campaign called oh, Halloween awesome. Halloween Dreams. I'm calling it so. <laughs> Yeah. No, I love it. Hey, uh, before we end the podcast completely, though, I always love asking one question in particular because, as much yeah. as this is a show where we really focus on you and your book, it's a nice platform for anyone who might be new to the industry. So, for anyone out there who is getting started with even just writing or the art and they're having trouble just getting going, what type of advice would you offer them just to get motivated, just to get started? Yeah, honestly, it really helps if you just put a time in your schedule basically whether it's your lunch hour or it's in the evening or start you know when wherever whenever your best time optimal time to be creative is put it and commit to it even if you're not feeling it like if you're a writer write anything it doesn't matter um, if it's going to be a novel or not it just put out the ideas you know write something if you're an artist do some sketches work on that character you want to develop and you keep at it uh, being consistent with something, you know, don't just do it once and kind of throw it away and give up on it and bounce it around to other people and see, you know, put it online and say, what do people think? Do they like, you know, how, the direction of this story or this character or whatever? And, and if you're in the right communities, you get feedback and then it, that's inspiring. And that's how I kept continuing my journey. I would show stuff to other people and ask them what they thought. And, uh, they would give me feedback and sometimes it was undesirable feedback and other times <laughs> other times i'd be like yeah you're right this sucks and other mm -hmm. times i'd be like okay well this is maybe worth holding on to maybe i just need to polish this gem a little bit more until it's really ready and you know when you know you have something you want to commit to and it's sometimes being a creative person it's it's kind of a long path and sometimes you have to be alone on the path for a while until you find the right people to uh, con connect with and then feel like you're on a journey with somebody doing it together yeah. Yeah, absolutely man thank you for that piece of advice that is so mm -hmm. awesome kj thank you for stopping by breaking this You're down very, with us yeah. this was such an awesome podcast i appreciate mm -hmm. it everyone watching i hope you all have an awesome thursday it is the day after new comic book day check out this kickstarter like i said if you can't back simply sharing it on facebook and twitter is 100 free and it is going to help get as many eyes on this project as possible with that being said have an awesome mm -hmm. day but most importantly guys keep it geekly